All right, we're taking a break from our series in John so that we can let our values kind of refresh into us and look at a foundational passage for our life of faith in Jesus. This passage that we're going to be looking at today, I remember when I first came to faith in Christ as a 14-year-old, this was one of the first passages that was set before me. And I think this is a great passage, not just for youth. I think for youth, this is foundational. It was for me as a youth because there are so many things that are pressuring us to conform to the pattern of this world. This idea of not being conformed to the pattern of this world, but being transformed really resonated with me as a 14-year-old. As I've been growing, as I've been growing up, I'm, you know, how I've been growing up now, I'm 51, and so I'm still growing up. You know, and, and all of us are still growing up, and this passage is just as relevant to us today as it was when I was a 14-year-old kid on my bed praying to ask Jesus into my heart in my bedroom. And so I want us to look at this passage and see how we can find our values in it. The, nice, the cool thing about our values as a church is we, could, we can oftentimes look at our values as things we do, like, you know, worship wholeheartedly, pray without ceasing, study God's word. Like, those things are all serve, serve the community, use our gifts, uh, serve with compassion. These are all good things to do. The idea of values is, no matter what we do, values undergird all of those things. And so these four things that we're going to be looking at today, I want to see them in this passage, but what I want to do first is just walk through this passage. Um, how many people have heard this passage before? I mean, raise your hand. If you haven't heard this before, I just want to walk through it, and maybe this is a little bit of a refresher course. It will be for me. And so as we look at this, I just want to kind of make note of a couple of things about the passage and then look back at our values and the images that we have that we've chosen to represent those values and just to ask ourselves, really the goal of today is this. Which of our values do you feel like God is pressing you into more this particular season of your life? You might think of 2023 or maybe sometimes we, you know, the second half of our fiscal year, that's the way I think about it, right? Or maybe it's this calendar year. You're like, it's January, it's little bit of assessment and ask what are good things that I'm doing that I want to keep doing? What are some things I don't want to keep doing? What are some new things I want to bring in? And so this opportunity today is a good opportunity for us as a church is to ask like where is God moving me to lean into one of these values maybe more or less? Maybe one of them today we have prayed Holy Spirit rest on us and we believe that it's not about like it's not my amazing charm that gets a message across. I know you guys are shocked at that because you're like, yeah, right. You're like, so you're like, look, Craig, you know, cool your jets a little bit. We believe that as God's word is, is spoken out and preached, that it's not my words, it's the Holy Spirit that works on our hearts. And we just want to take a particular Sunday and say, Holy Spirit, come, rest on us move us. And as we hear this, as we lean into these things, what do you have for me? What is a place where you are moving for transformation in my life? And of course, we believe that that's partially by hearing the preached message of the word, by hearing it explained, but also just by sitting and asking, what is God doing in my life? And so this space this morning is an opportunity for that. So let's look at Romans 12, 1 and 2, and just walk through it and see what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And I think the important thing about this, if you look back into chapter 11, it talks about this idea that God has chosen who he is going to pour out his mercy on. And it's a great mystery. Who has known the mind of the Lord or can offer him any counsel? He provides, uh, he provides mercy where he will provide mercy. And who can know the mind of the Lord, when and where that comes? And so the Apostle Paul then says, in view of that awesome pouring out of mercy, I urge you, I exhort you, I appeal to you, is what the ESV says, to deliver or to present your body as a sacrifice. This idea the Apostle Paul urges that with the newfound freedom that we've had, freedom from sin, the mercy of God, this newfound freedom, that what we should do with that newfound freedom is to present ourselves before God. To walk into his presence and simply say, Lord, here I am for you. And it's this great dichotomy that we're saved from the slavery of sin, but we're saved to serve God. Whether it's slavery to sin or service to God, we present ourselves. We present our bodies. We present ourselves. Some of you are like, I'd love, I always present my body to the Lord because it needs help, right? As I get older, it's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm presenting more and more of my body to him, right? I need, I need his touch on different, no laughs here. Come on, everybody. All right, hang with me, okay? Present your body. Present it as a sacrifice, and as we present ourselves as a sacrifice, this is what it says. It says in Greek, it says, present it as a sacrifice. And then it describes that sacrifice as three things. It is a living sacrifice. It is an acceptable sacrifice. And it is a spiritual sacrifice. Oh, sorry, it's, I should say this. Living, a living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice, and an acceptable sacrifice. It's living in the sense that most of the time when you think about in the Old Testament when someone offers a sacrifice, what happens to the animal? Death. But what God is saying is, no, 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 no. I want you to offer yourself as a sacrifice, but your sacrifice will bring you to life. I want you, I want you to be like Jesus, who as he died to himself, he rose again to life. His sacrifice is to life. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about we have access to the Father through a new, a fresh and living way, freshly sacrificed but alive. In the book of Revelation, it talks about the Lamb is standing but it's been slain. Slain but standing. And so this idea that present yourself as a sacrifice, and you giving yourself as a sacrifice to the Lord is not a path to death. Your giving yourself to a, as a sacrifice to the Lord is a pathway to life. And so present yourself to the Lord as a living sacrifice, holy. The word holy simply means to set something apart. Set something apart for God. You've got all kinds of things for common usage. But we're going to put these things aside that are particularly available to the Lord to use. So if you were a potter in the ancient world, you might make ten pots, and you might use nine and sell nine, but you'd put one aside to be holy to the Lord, only for the uses of the Lord. And you might donate it to the temple. It would be holy, set apart. And what God says is what he wants you to do, what Paul is saying is, I urge you to present yourself as a sacrifice set apart for no other usage 
but for the usage of the Lord. The Lord can use you wherever and whatever you're doing. So present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Pleasing is another way to put it. It's often used of people, this word of uh, acceptable or pleasing is often used in the ancient world of people who are um, particularly generous with their resources towards civic projects. If you were an upstanding citizen in the city and you donated to some public work, it would say that you were providing acceptable service. And so the idea is that what Paul is saying is, I want you to present yourself as a sacrifice, living, set apart, but also with a generosity toward the Lord, with a generosity toward the Lord. Living, holy, and generous. Alive, set apart, and generous with who you are and what you have to the Lord. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and then it says, which is your spiritual service. Some, some translations say your spiritual service of worship or your spiritual worship. A- another way, actually, you could say this is it is your thoughtful spiritual worship. That you're doing it intentionally. You're not accidentally doing it. You're stumbling in, oh, Lord, here you are. Like, I'm intentionally doing this. I'm aiming for it. I think for me, like I said, this passage has been significant for me in my Christian life, and there have been seasons in my life where I have entered into the discipline of when you think about how do, how do you present yourself as a living sacrifice? Well, if you're a sacrifice, you need to have an altar, and altars are typically square, and the best altar that we have in our house is our mattress. Whatever you sleep on is a great size of an altar. And so probably the best thing you can do, and this is what I would do in various seasons of my life, is as you woke up, the first thing you can do is maybe, maybe you memorize this verse, and you say, in view of God's mercies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual worship, and you simply, and I would simply say, first thing when I wake up, as I'm laying on the altar of my bed, to say, here I am, Lord, I am yours. Very first thing. That is an intentional act of worship every day. To simply wake up and say, here I am. I mean, I can even, like, you, don't hit your spouse or, who, you know, like, I, here I am, I am yours. That's an intentional, spiritual act of worship. It can be not every day. You could do it at night. You're, you're on the altar, right? You're on the altar. And you might just say as your day ends, you're like, Lord, here I am. I am yours. Whatever it is. So that, that idea of presenting yourself as a living sacrifice is a great way to orient for the day, or even this idea of just setting your intent, Right? This is an, it's an intentional act, and sometimes you have to set your intent. Um, my wife and I, we have, um, uh, we don't have a Peloton bike, but we have the Peloton app. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, Peloton? You're like, exercise. I don't know what exercise is. Okay. Well, on, on some of the exercise, some of the workouts, the instructor says, all right, at the beginning of the workout, they say, okay, set your intent, because it's going to get hard, and you're going to want to stop, but you have to set your intent now at the beginning it's like you're like what am I doing to myself right but you have to set your intent you set your intent at the beginning of the day by offering yourself as a living sacrifice here I am Lord and I'm going to set my it's going to give me life I'm going to be set apart I'm going to be it's going to be it's going to be generous 
All right. Some of you guys probably do that. I would imagine in this room, there's, there's plenty of people that you have something that you do every morning that you present yourself to the Lord. And that's, I think that's a great thing. If you don't have a practice like that, I think it's a wonderful thing to incorporate. Okay? And as we look at our values, we can see how this will work out. All right, let's look at chapter, uh, verse 2. Verse 2. It starts by this. It says, do not be conformed to this world. When you're reading this in Greek, there's all these like standard words. It's like stock words, especially when you're learning, when you learn Greek as a seminarian, you're like, there's all these stock words. You have to memorize all the words in seminary. You memorize all the words in Greek that occur 50 or more times, all the stock words, all the regular words. And then whenever you hit like a big word, you know you, you haven't memorized it. And this is where you get to these words that are, and when you get to a big one, you're like, oh, this is a special word. This is a special word. And the special word here is the word skus, sorry, Suske madzesiste. I know, right? You're like, I'm not going to seminary. Okay. Do not be conformed to the world. And that word, um, suske madzo, it, it's, the idea of, it's the idea of clay being pressed into a mold. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And it's this idea of taking clay, or how many people played with Play-Doh? With your grandkids or kids, come on, Play-Doh people, raise your hand, get them up, they're proud, right? Play-Doh, and you can like, you can press it in and it takes on the shape of whatever it has. Now, I didn't do, my, my parents, I don't know why my parents didn't like, I think they thought Play-Doh, like it gets in the carpet and whatnot. And so, but every once in a while we would get, like, we would go to those uh, machines where you put a quarter in and you turn it and, uh, and a little egg would come out and inside the egg would be Silly Putty. Anybody? Silly putty. I love silly putty. You can like make it a ball and then you bounce it like a, it's like a bouncy ball. Or you can like spread it out or things like that. What we would like to do is like we'd, we would take like coins or quarters or whatever and you'd press it on there and the image of the, of the quarter would stay on that. So you press it and the image stays on it. Or even if, I don't know if you did this before, but like you could go, they, they used to have these things called newspapers. Remember? And they had like the comic section. And you could take your silly putty and you could actually press it on the comic section and it would come out in color on the silly putty. This, okay, I'm, go, I'm, I'm glad everybody's tracking with me. This is the idea of what Paul is talking about here. He says, don't be conformed. Don't be pressed onto this world so that you retain the imprint of this world. Don't be so pressed upon this world, or better yet, don't be so pressed upon by this world that you are retain the pattern or the print of this world. Don't be so pressed against the world that you hold the form of the world. Don't be so pressed against the world that you hold the print of the world. Don't be so pressed against the world that you hold the pattern of the world of this world. Don't be conformed by the pattern of this world. What it says instead is to be transformed. The word transformed is the word metamorphosis. See, I can't even do it in English, so metamorphosis. Yeah, I don't want to say it together. Metamorphosis. It has the word, it's meta and uh, morphe. Morphe means form. 
And to metamorph is, we get the word metamorphosis from it. It's a change. It's an external change that happens. Any Power Ranger fans out there? Anybody know the Power? Thank you, Power Ranger fans. When the Power Rangers come up against a great foe, what do they say? It's morphin' time. Come on, everybody. You say you're a fan. You say you like the Power Rangers. It's morphin' time. And that's when it's, you know, and they transform into their, into their larger selves. <laughs> I don't even know how that happens. I mean, anyway, Japanese TV shows are very interesting. Anyway, transformation, metamorphose, be transformed. Now, what, I think what's interesting about both of these words is when you, say, when you, when you speak in English, when you speak with verbs, uh, you can either speak in what we call the active voice or the passive voice. The active voice is when you are doing the action of the verb. I hit the ball. I am the subject of that sentence. Hit is the verb. The ball is the object. I am the one performing the hitting onto the ball. I do that. That's the active voice. The passive voice is the other way around, and that's what these are. And that is, it's not that I hit the ball. If I say in the passive voice, it says, I am hit by the ball. And in this case, what you are being hit by, it says, do not, it doesn't say don't conform, it says don't be conformed. Something else is pressing on you to press you. And it also says, don't, it's not transform yourself, it's be transformed. There's another power that is working in you to do the work of transformation. It's interesting because one way or another, there is a power at work in this world that is either trying to conform you to the pattern of this world or to transform you into the image of God. Don't be conformed by the powers of this world, but be transformed and he talks about the way that works. So God is doing the work of transformation. Don't let, don't be, I love the way Eugene Peterson puts this in the message. He says, don't be pressed into the world's mold. Don't be pressed into the world's mode. But allow God to do the work of transformation in your life. I think what's so fascinating about this is Metamorphose is this idea of external transformation. External transformation, that's, all, that's what we want to do. Like, why, why do we use the Peloton app? We want external transformation. How do you get there? You begin, as it says here, by the renewing of the mind. It begins by the renewing of the mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Our external formation by God happens by the renewal of our thoughts, by the intentional renewal of our thoughts. That it's not the world that we're being pressed up against, it's about the truth that we're being pressed up against. It's not the pattern of this world that we're being pressed up against, it's what the pattern of what God is like and what God values. That's what we're being pressed up against that we take those things and we press them into our minds. Being pressed up against Jesus in your mind so that you hold the form of Jesus, like our silly putty. Being pressed up, not that your brain's like silly putty, I'm sure it could be. Being pressed up against Jesus in your mind so that you hold the print of Jesus. Being pressed up against Jesus in your mind so that you hold the pattern of Jesus. 
And what I want to put forth to us today, and what I, I hope is, is the case, when I came five years ago to the church, um, one of the things I did was just talk about, we simplified our purpose statement, love God, love others. And we talked about four values for this season of life in the church that would help us to move us forward as a church. Four things that we can value, that we can lean into. And what I feel like is that those values are a means by which this distillation of biblical truth that we can lean into as we experience personal transformation, also as we experience transformation as a church that moves out into the world and shares the love of Jesus and the message of the gospel. And so what I want to do is I want to walk through these values. They're up on the the board, but I want to walk through them one by one. Let's start with number one, and that is this. The idea that we are anticipating that God will move. We are anticipating that God will move. Our image is the mountain. And Jesus says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, get up and move. And this idea that our faith, faith like a mustard seed, we will see God move mountains if we have faith, that we will anticipate that God will move, that God is involved. We understand that God is involved in this world. He wants to make himself known in this world. He wants to do something here, and I know that he will. In our passage, I think one of the ways in our passage in Romans chapter 12, it talks about in view of God's mercies. And this idea that one of the things that we have to realize is that when you came to faith, when you came to faith, when you responded to God, one of the things that we note is that you are responding to God. You were not the first mover. You were not the first actor in that. That every time we come to faith, every time we follow Jesus, every time we come to the Father, it's because God has drawn us there. That this idea that he has preceded us to this moment. Like before, before any of this campus was ever built, God was like, that piece of land, I want that. I mean, God, you know, you, there's not a piece of, there's not a square foot of property in the city of Orange that God does not say, that's mine. God is God. But he said, I'm going to set that, I'm going to set that piece apart. And then when people were like, hey, we should start a church, God was already there moving. Right? These people just got on board, and this is the way it is when God moves in our heart, that when God moves in our heart, like, hey, maybe I want to do something about this. I was just having an email exchange with Crosby Tanucci over at Chapman, and as his students have been looking through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and it was talking about, um, uh, uh, it was talking about giving a cold cup of water or, or letting the children come to him. Uh, one of the students said, "You know what I? You know what I think? I think I think I want to see if we can help foster children." This is just a college student, and um, so Crosby's like, "Well, how can we do it?" They're like, "Well, what if we had a car wash?" And um, and Crosby was like, sure, why not? So Crosby shoots me off an email. Hey, we, we had a student. He tells me the story. This, this girl, she wants to help father, foster students or foster kids. And we need a car wash and we need a place to do it. Will you guys help us out? I'm like, yes, every day. Every day. Every day. Because that, we believe that God is going to bring great things to mind to people. And when they do, we want to remove every distraction. We want to remove everything that's going to stand in the way. And we want to give them space to do it. That girl could go on and do something amazing for the Lord. We're going to be part of that. 
because we are anticipating that God is going to move. Whatever we set our hand to, whatever we do, we believe that God is already there saying, I'm here, I'm waiting, I want you to do this. We're going to step out in faith and we believe that God is going to move. Now, whether we're, whether we're praying, whether we're worshiping, whether we're studying the Bible, whether we're serving with compassion, we want this value as a primary value underneath everything we do. Why are we even gathered here? Here's the deal. We are not just playing church. Have you ever, have you ever just kind of had a sense like sometimes you're like, I'm just playing church, I'm just going through the motions, why do you go on Sunday? Well, I, it's good to go to church on Sunday. Well, why? Like, sometimes you can get to this sense, and I've been part of some churches where it's like, hey, we're just playing church. We have Bible studies and we do this. Why are we doing it? Because we believe that God wants to make himself known in this world and that God is, has a burning desire to move. And so our, our, our main value, our number one value, is that we believe that God is going to move. God is going to move. Would you say that? Just say it out loud with me. God will move. God will move. Get Get that into your vocabulary. God will indeed move. We come to worship, we come to study the Bible, we come to pray, we serve in the church, but we believe that God is going to move. I, when I came here five years ago, my, I walked into this room and I'm like, this place needs to run on all cylinders. What would it be like if this was running on all cylinders? What would the gospel be like in the city of Orange if this room was filled with people who wanted to go out and wanted to share the love of Jesus? And I'm like, okay, God wants to move here. God wants to move. Let's do this thing. I mean, that's, that was why I came. Not because I just wanted a pulpit and a paycheck. Why, what? I want, God, I want to see God move. I want to see the city transformed. I want the church of the city to be motivated and moved. Anyway, look, I can get pumped up all day about this. This is our core value. This is number one. This is why we pray. This is why we go to the word to receive something from the Lord. This is why we worship. This is why you come and you listen to me blabber on and on and on. Because you expect that the spirit of God is going to do something in you. That's why we do this. God is, okay, I can, uh, let's move on. You get the point, I, I, I imagine. All right, so, all right, our second thing, second one is this. Thank you, Kyle. Our second one is removing distractions and calling attention to God. And our image is the sunrise. I like it's not the noonday sun. The noonday sun is kind of like beating down on you. The sunrise, there's something about the sunrise. We even read in the, um, this Christmas season, that Jesus is appearing as a sunrise, right? That he dawns, he's dawning on people. And we need to, our idea is that we want to let it shine and remove the things that cast shadows. And in our passage it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And I think just to recognize that there are things that press on us, that demand our attention, that are not calling our attention to God, but they are, just re- they are just a distraction to us. And that there are things in this world that are designed simply to be distractions. There are things that divide our attention away from God and the things that matter, and I want to remove what needs to be removed and add the things that need to be added. Our call is to call attention to God. So we worship. 
we give thanks, we remind each other that God is blessing us. And we're vigilant about the things that press on us, that distract us. It's one of the things like we, we, when we, we cleaned up the stage, we, we painted this so you don't see all the vents that are up here. Like we want to remove every distraction so that we can focus. We can focus on a Sunday morning. And maybe even, even as I'm talking about this, because one of the things, again, what we're trying to do is we're asking ourselves, what is something that God is calling me to lean into, particularly in this season, this next spring, this next summer? What, as we're moving into 2023, what is one of these values that I need to lean into? That, that God, Not just that I need to lean into, that I feel like God is calling me to lean into. And maybe even something is coming to mind right now, something you need to remove as a distraction, or maybe even something that you need to add that can call attention to God. And so let's say this together, say, remove distractions. There you go. That's a good one. That's a good one. That'll make you clean out the garage, right? <laughs> Kelly's like, get that one in your head, right? We need to clean stuff out. Like, let's do that, right? All right, third one, third one. Number three. Number three. Is the overwhelming value of each person. This one was an easy one. The lone sheep, the lost sheep. What does the shepherd do? You got 100, you got 99 other ones. I'm going to find the one. Our God is a seeking God. shepherd will go out and seek and find the lost sheep. We learn in the book of Ephesians that Jesus came to preach peace to those who are far off. I don't know what it is, but God will do whatever he needs to do to close the gap between him and the lost. He will do whatever he needs to do to close the gap between him and the lost. Those who are far off, he will go to. For some reason or another, and I don't always get it, God will move heaven and earth for lost people. God will move heaven and earth for lost people. Because for some reason, he believes they have overwhelming value. Overwhelming value. In our passage, it says, God says, in view of God's mercies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Why does God ask for you to present your body as a sacrifice, yourself as a sacrifice? I would imagine it's because God sees nothing more valuable than you. What do you have that is more valuable than simply you? He's already, he's moved his son out of heaven and into earth, so, and his son has died for you to present the sense that you, your value to him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. The value that you have, I don't even understand it. But God seems to think that you have an immeasurable amount of value. I want you to think about yourself. Think about yourself. And I want you to say overwhelming value. Say it. 
Now I want you to think of a good friend, a good friend. And I want you to say overwhelming value. And now I want you to think of someone that you come in contact daily or weekly, like a checker at the store or a barista or whoever. Someone you come in contact with daily or weekly, and I want you to say overwhelming value. Now I want you to think of someone, a type of person you don't like. And I want you to say overwhelming value. overwhelming value of each person. Can I, just, can I just say, God loves you so deeply. So deeply. You have such value to him. Such value. You are so deeply loved. And he must look down and say, you know, in, in my son's basketball team, they're like, that's my guy, my guy. My guy. I could just imagine, I, I know you're, not everybody's a guy, but God's up there like, that's my guy. That's my, that's my, gir- that's my girl. That's my guy. And I, I want to move them out. I want to move them into something. There's such value. You have such value to him. Our fourth one. Our fourth one. A congregation of growing people. You know, sometimes we feel plateaued, we feel stuck, or just that we don't have any more growing to do. Does anybody ever feel that way? I'm all grown out. <laughs> I need to lose a little bit of my growth, right? Like, I'm all, I, I, I'm done. Like, I've, 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 I've raised my kids, maybe, or maybe you're like, hey, I'm retired, I'm done working, like, I'm done. I've done all the important things I have to do in my life. Our image here is the tree from Psalm 1. He or she will be like a tree planted by streams of water whose leaf never withers and whose fruit it yields in season. Of course, on this tree are oranges because we're in the... Anyway, thank you for those keeping score. Um, Yielding its fruit in season. And our passage says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And transformation and growth is something that we should expect daily. In every season of our life, God has something for us in every season. And you might say, like I do sometimes, is that, look, transformation is for the young. Right? Like, transformation, like, I am squarely, firmly entrenched in middle life. My job is to be stable and to provide a stable environment and to, you know, that my, my job is to be vanilla, right? My job is to just be stable. And I think, I think in some ways when I think about that, like, it's like this idea, like, transformation is when you're young and then you're super stable the whole way and then you retire and you kind of kick your legs up and you collect seashells. Right? Something like that. And I feel like, I feel like, that in and of itself is this idea of being pressed into the mold of this world. Why would I not, as a 51-year-old, say, God, refine me of what you need. Do what you need to do. Take away what you need to take away. Add what you need to add. 
just because we're in a season of life where maybe we've had a lot, we've had, we have more life behind us than we have ahead of us does not mean that we're done with growth. Paul is not saying, you young people be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He just says, look, by the mercies of God, everybody here, it's time, it's morphine time. Like, it doesn't matter if you're eight years old or 80 years old. It's God has some kind of transformation for us. God will be working on us until the day we die. My goal, my goal is to wake up every morning until the day that I die and learn something new every day. I feel like eventually I want to take up gardening because gardening is about this kind of constant tending to things. You constantly have to tend. There's something about it's something about tending to something, being tent, intentional about it that, it, that produces this idea of transformation. Living for something beyond yourself. Knowing that God has work for you even after you've retired. Work is something that was given before the fall. There's work to be done. Point to yourself, point to yourself, excuse me. Point to yourself and say, I am a growing person. Now say it again and mean it. I am a growing person. Look, you're growing people. We, Im we imagine this is what we want, this is what we're aiming for. We want everyone here to be a growing person. That means, look, God could come into your living room tonight and say, I want you to do this. I want you to start a ministry to foster kids. And you'd be like, whether you are 8 years old or 80 years old, you're like, here I am. I am presenting myself as a living sacrifice. I will follow the guidance of the Lord. No matter how old I am, it does not matter. That is our call. That's what I want to undergird everything about our church, that we, we would not only know that about ourselves, we would know it about everybody. When, when we ask somebody, hey, do you think you could help with this ministry, that people would be like, yes, I'm a growing person. I've never done that before, but I'm a growing person. I will try. I will jump in. I know my gifts. I've had this gift. I've had this idea. I haven't done it before. I want to try that. We, we would expect that that would be the sort of thing that goes on here. That's, that's the idea. So the question this morning is simply this, as we land the plane this morning, is simply this. Just as I've talked about this, we've talked through Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we've talked about our four values. And they're not going away. They will stare at you every day, every Sunday when you walk in this door. The values will be like, poof, right in your face. Okay? And I want you to just ask the question, what is God moving me toward in this particular season of life? And it might not be the same. It's not going to be the same for everybody. And you might say, they all sound good, Pastor Craig. I'm like, that's great. Which one in particular do you feel like God is pressing you toward? Do you feel like you need to have faith that God is going to move? Do you feel like, I need to step out in faith. I need to believe that God is going to do something here. Or maybe you're like, hey, what I need to do is I need to remove some things. I know that God is calling me to remove some things out of my life. Or maybe God is calling me to add some things that call attention to him. Or maybe it's simply the idea that, look, I, I, need, to, I need to see people with new eyes. Because I look at people and I'm just disgusted. And I need to see people with new eyes. I need God to give me new eyes. I need to lean into that. Or maybe it's this idea like, yeah, I kind of feel like I've just kicked up my heels and I need to get back in the game. And maybe that's it. Or maybe you're like, hey, I need, I need a plan. I want a plan for growth. I need to know a plan. I need to have a plan for how I'm going to spiritually grow. 
Maybe you do that. I don't know what it is. It could be anything. There could be all kinds of things. And I would imagine that the Holy Spirit is involved in working in this room right now because I anticipate that God will move. Why do you think I prepared this message? Just to hear myself talk? No, I believe that God is going to do something in your life and in my life because we are looking at this thing. So that's the idea. That's what we're doing here. We're asking ourselves, what is God moving me into? So I'm going to call Adelie and Emma back up here. And as they're coming up, I just want to give you a, just a, a little time. And there's, there's pen, there should be pens in the pews, or you might have brought a pen. And maybe on your, uh, on your bulletin, you might just want to jot, circle one of those things. Jot a down a little note to yourself. I'm just going to give you a, 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 a minute or so of silence. Adelie will kind of underscore it. And when that's done, I'll just, I'll pray and uh, we'll move into the next season, the next, uh, uh, the next kind of segment of our morning. But, um, but let, me, let me pray, let me pray. Father, I pray for our people. That you would push them in a direction. One of these things. So take some time now. Circle something, write something down.